Good morning, church family. And um, I'm just delighted to be here with you today. Um, this morning, I want to continue on in our series. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the power of the tongue uh, from Pastor James. And we're going to be in the book of James, uh, chapter 3, if you have your scripture and want to turn there. Um, have you ever really thought about uh, how terribly embarrassing life would be if there was a direct open line between your thoughts and your mouth so that you blurted out whatever thought you were thinking at the time? I mean, instead of a polite, I'm pleased to see you, nice to meet you, maybe out comes, you know, I couldn't care less about meeting you, or after listening to someone drone on about something, instead of saying, yeah, that's very interesting, uh, what if you blurted out something like, how can I get away from this boring person? And so, you know, it'd just be kind of funny if that was the way it was. But, you know, our, power, our words have power. And uh, a word spoken at the right moment and in the right way can do some very mighty things. I mean, a word can save life. A word can also destroy life. A word can declare war. And a word can make peace. A word can win souls to Christ. And a word can drive them away from Christ. Now, Proverbs 25 verse 11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. On the other hand, in Proverbs 18.8 it says this, It says, The words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. We're going to be talking this morning about the power of the tongue and see what uh, Pastor James has to say about that. But let's pick up our, our scripture. We're going to be in chapter 3 of James, beginning in verse 3, and we're going to read down through verse 12. So read with me if you will. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us we direct their entire body as well look at the ships also though they are so great and are driven by strong winds they are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires so also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body. And it sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send forth from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, 
produce olives, or a vine produce figs, nor can salt water produce fresh. Loving Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. I thank you for uh, the tongue and the body, and I pray, Father, that you would help us to use our tongue and our body to bring honor and glory to you, Father. Lord, I ask that in this time together that we have, that you would guide our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and reveal to us those areas that are not consistent with your word. Father, I pray that you would shine light into our hearts and evaluate and examine us. And Father, that we would be by this time, by this process, by our time together, that we would um, be drawn closer to you. Father, reveal to us your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, the power of the tongue. You know, the tongue is one of part of our body, but it's a very small part, but it's a very powerful part. Now, Pastor James here gives us the power of the tongue in three different word pictures. The first one is this, is as a bit. You know, with a length of rope and a few strips of leather and a small piece of metal in a horse's mouth, a rider can control the horse's whole body. See, the tongue is a bit. It's a small two-ounce bit nestled into our mouths that really does control the direction of our lives. He also uses the picture of a small rudder. You know, ships have grown larger and heavier, but still, proportionately, they have uh, their course determined by a comparatively small slab of metal that's called a rudder. You know, the rudder of the human body is a, slop, excuse me, a small slab of muscle called the tongue. And it controls where the body goes and what it does. He also uses a picture of a, a fire, a little fire. A tiny spark holds the power to destroy thousands of acres of forest. Right now, in the Pacific Northwest, on the West Coast, you have all these fires that are wildfires that are burning out of control. You have the strange wind that 40 to 60 miles an hour that is, that is blowing and whipping those fires across and how it all starts from just a small spark of some kind. See, this is the power of the tongue. If the, if the tongue is held in check, both a fire and the tongue have such power for great good. But out of control, what havoc both of these can cause. I mean, picture with me if you will. Have you ever seen or can you picture in your mind a horse that is running out of control? Or maybe a ship that is out of control? Or maybe a fire that is burning out of control? Or maybe someone's tongue that is out of control. See, all of these can have tremendous effects, devastating effects. So we understand that there is tremendous power with our tongue. What a great picture uh, James writes for us here. 
Let's look secondly at the character of the tongue. It's necessary, but it's dangerous. It's necessary, but it's dangerous. In verse 6, it says, And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. Necessary but dangerous. A world of iniquity. James means that the the whole world of evil can find its expression through our tongue. I mean, whether it's being boastful or destructive anger, lashing out, or maybe it's cutting bitterness, or even flattering lust. The tongue communicates all of these. See, most Christians would shrink back from sins like homosexuality or molesting children or murder as being satanically depraved. But we tolerate gossip. We tolerate slander or deceit or half-truths or sarcastic put-downs and other sins of the tongue. We, we, we tolerate them as if they were no big deal. But James says that all such sins have their origins in the pit of hell. They defile the one committing them. They destroy others. And as a believer in Jesus Christ... You must confront these sins in yourself and you must be bold enough to confront them in others who follow Jesus Christ. See, we often speak of the internet as placing a world of information at our fingertips. But we have a world of iniquity, more iniquity than we can imagine on the tips of our tongue. See, the devil has done a lot of his work in this world through the use of the unrighteous tongue. Scripture says it's set on fire by Gehenna, or hell as, we, as it's translated here. In Greek, it is Gehenna. And Gehenna is that actual valley outside of Jerusalem that was used as a garbage dump. Back in the day before... Uh, the Jews were there. There were people there that, that, that offered their, their children uh, to, to Moloch the, as, as burnt offerings, their, their children. I mean, what a horrible thing. It became a, a, a garbage heap. And you can imagine all the filth of the city accumulated there. Everything that nobody wanted. All of this stuff, the garbage, the... the uh, the carcasses, the, 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 the rotting vegetation, whatever it might be, it was there just as the evil of our sinful hearts seems to accumulate on our tongues. And that's what he says. He says, and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. All of the filth of hell accumulated there on our tongue. See, the tongue can defile the whole person. Proverbs 17, 28 says, Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. See, a man or woman could be considered otherwise honorable and dignified. And yet, by saying one foolish thing, they bring shame and dishonor 
not just on their mouth or on their tongue, but upon their whole person, upon their very being, their life. See, the tongue can set fire to our very existence, our our lives. I mean, many is the great leader who worked very hard and for many years to rise to a position of prominence that came into total ruin and saw their careers completely destroyed by some careless word or foolish word that came from their lips. I mean, the world tends to forget whatever other good things that person did, but their foolish speech is remembered for decades. You know, James gives us another image. In verse 7, he says, For every species of beasts and birds or reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. I mean, you see this truth at SeaWorld, you know, or any other circus where you see animals, you see orcas or, or uh you know, elephants that have been trained by human beings. And over the years, we've seen people who've been able to train, uh, you know, bears, Gentle Ben or, or Lassie or Flipper or Shamu or <laughs> even Barney, okay? Um, but there's, there's one beast that even P.T. Barnum couldn't tame, and that's the tongue, our very tongue. I mean, click the shutter one more time for another illustration. James says, in in verse 8, he says, No one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. Our tongues are like the forced menace of a poisonous snake. Think about the fangs of a snake. We strike out and we poison those around us by our words. Also, let's let's look at the use of the tongue. You know, it can be helpful, but the tongue is inconsistent. The tongue is powerful. It's a dangerous beast. But remember what we said, only sometimes. Sometimes it's used for good. And it helps mend bones instead of breaking them. Sometimes it builds people up instead of tearing them down. Sometimes it brings life instead of death. You know, in these verses, James illustrates that the, 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 Dr. Heck, the Dr. Jekyll and, and Mr. Hyde tendency of our tongues going back and forth. You know, in Robert Louis Stevenson's 1886 novella, Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, talks about where a man who takes a potion, he turns from a mild-mannered man of science into this crude, homicidal maniac by drinking this potion. There's a a backside, two sides of the same coin, if you will. Let me tell you a story. There was was a fellow by the name of David Sorensen. He was a cook that was hired in a fancy restaurant that I worked at years ago and the general manager came back into the kitchen one day and he announced to everyone 
that was there that, that I, Ridge, would really like this guy that he was going to hire because on his application, it said that one of his pastimes, one of his favorite things to do was reading the Bible. Well, everyone in that kitchen knew that I was a believer. As time went on, he got into the kitchen and, you know, after working and scorching a pan of cheesecakes one day, he scorched them in the oven. He, he pulled them out of the oven and he let out a string of vulgar obscenities. And I felt like everyone in that kitchen looked directly at me, kind of in unison. You know, you ever had that experience where it's like, what? And they just kind of look at you and everybody turns and looks at the same time. That's what happened. They looked at me and almost as if to say, what are you going to do about it, Ridge? Did you hear what just happened? Well, you know, the next time that I had an opportunity to speak with David alone, I asked him about that incident. And I asked him if, if he truly understood that he was undermining his and my testimony, both as believers in Jesus Christ. He genuinely felt sorrowful. And then he, he asked me to pray for him, which I did right then and many times after that. You know, from the heart, the mouth speaks. The things that come out of our mouth reveals the condition of our heart. You know, as a follow-up to that story, many years later, probably 10 or 12 years later, I received a call from David kind of out of the blue, asking if I remembered him. And he thanked me for having the courage to say something to him about his tongue and praying for him on that day. He said, what a difference it has made in my life all these years. You know, we never know exactly what God might do in someone's life. We don't know how he might use us to challenge them in that way. So I encourage you, be bold in speaking up and, and watching your own tongue, but watching others' tongues as well. Because we don't know what that's going to mean in their life. I think that is a very significant thing. You know, James shows how the nature of the human heart is like nothing in nature. In verse 11 and 12, he says, Does not a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, uh, produce olives and a vine produce figs, nor can salt water produce fresh. See, unlike humanity, nature is consistent. Peach trees don't produce poisonous mushrooms. Only the human heart is capable of producing such inconsistencies. I mean, streams, they produce one kind of water trees. They produce one kind of fruit. Folks, what I'm saying is that the speech of a believer in Jesus Christ should be consistent with his or her new life in Christ. As we speak, so is our heart. See, you go to the doctor. The doctor may say something like, you know, with a tongue depressor in his in his hand, he may say, open your mouth and say, ah. 
And what happens is the doctor pushes your tongue down and he looks behind your tongue. He's looking at your throat. He's looking at, 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 at that, you know, the, where, where it goes down into your, your innermost being. Folks, what we need to do is we all need to look all the way down to the heart. That's where the, the thing is, is that's where the, it really matters. Again, the, the tongue isn't the real problem. It's the heart. It's the human heart. Notice that James does not say that the tongue is untamable. He says that no one can tame it. It's humanly untamable. Only God can tame your tongue and mine. Now just a word about the control of the tongue. See, the real question is who is in control. Because if your tongue is under God's control, you will take what you say very seriously and your whole body will be under His discipline. Just like a horse needs a rider holding the reins and a ship needs a pilot at the rudder, so your tongue needs a master. And God is the only one who can do the job. Psalm 141 says, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Let not my heart be drawn to what is evil. See, the more we become aware of the power of the tongue, the more constructive use we should make of it. The more we become aware of the destructiveness of the tongue, and the difficulty in controlling it, the more disciplined we should be in using it, and the more we should give over the use of our tongues to the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, this is so important. When the Holy Spirit controls your heart on a daily basis, over time the fruit of the Spirit will appear. These include love, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control, which all relate to the control of our tongue. Only one person has ever exercised perfect control over the tongue. See, it was testified of Jesus that he spoke like no one else did. You know, in John chapter 7, verse 46, it says, never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. So what was so striking about his words, about Jesus' words? I would say certainly much of it had to do with what he said, what came out of his mouth. His words also stood out because of their authority. He spoke like no one else had spoken with authority and with his remarkable wisdom. No one had this kind of wisdom. But it also had to do with the way that he spoke. His words were amazingly gracious. And they came from one whose very life was grace and truth. See, he is the ultimate model to us of Proverbs 25, 11, 
A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. When we look at how Jesus spoke, we soon realize how sinful our own use of our tongue truly is. See, the harmful potential of our tongue is much greater than our ability to control its use. And so we must rely on God's powerful help to bring our tongue under His control. And this will bring His control upon our whole body as well. But understand this. We cannot do it on our own. We need Jesus. Let's pray together. Loving Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for how it challenges us. And Father, we confess to you even now that we cannot control our own tongue. Father, we cannot tame it. Father, we need your help in doing that. In being able to say the things from the heart that edify, that build up, that bring life. That we would speak life and not death into other people's lives. Father, help us to be givers of life in that way. Father, transform our hearts. Father, from the, the pits of hell the garbage, the trash heap. Father, to make it things that bring forth life, that show people who Jesus is. Father, that we could be building up and edifying others, that we could be pouring life into them through the words that we say. Father, that we would be done with these lies from the enemy. Father, that we would be under the discipline of the Holy Spirit in the words that we say to other people and about other people. Father, that we would tolerate it no more. But Father, that we would trust you and your Holy Spirit to convict us of the truth that we speak or don't speak every day. Father, may it be so in our lives. Guide us even now as we respond to your Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I want to thank you for joining us this morning for our worship time. What a blessed time this has been. You know, next Sunday, please join us again at 1045, either on our campus uh, for in-person worship or right here on the YouTube channel. Um, what a blessing it is to be together. Uh, also, don't forget, senior adults, we're going to be meeting in the fellowship hall for our Sunday school hour at 9.30 on Sunday morning. And also, uh, the college students are going to be meeting in the college room for Sunday school at 9.30 this next Sunday morning, September the 20th. You know, until then, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice in it and be glad. Enjoy this Lord's Day. And also may God bless you with His grace and peace. We love you and God loves you.